Believe it or not, this is the conclusion of this series that we've been doing for the past seven weeks, hard to believe, about making things new. You know, uh, Americans love new stuff, but the problem with Americans is that we quickly grow tired of new things. It's been said by something as reliable as Twitter that, that the average lifespan, the average lifespan, the average attention span of the Americans are eight seconds. That means you've already tuned out, if that is true, uh, from me. So what I guess you would want us to do, if that was true, that every eight seconds, we'd have a different speaker come up here. So after eight seconds, Jeff, you come on up, and, and then Carrie, and then Pat, yeah. I mean, if, if that is indeed true, I mean, you you're soon grow tired of listening to me. But we do know that we as Americans like new things and, and we sometimes grow tired of things after we've experienced them for just a little while. So I hope that you haven't grown tired though of hearing about how God is wanting to do a new thing in your life, in this church, in this community. For God is up to something new. And just to recap a little bit what we've been talking about, we, we started out looking at in Revelation 21 where we hear these wonderful words, Behold, I make all things new. And that newness continues, as we said the next week, as God's Spirit comes upon us and, and telling us that we are children of God. Children of God and that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That means Jesus Christ is our brother. And you are sisters and brothers of His. And then uh, we, we shared about because of what Christ is doing in us, we can see everybody, not from a human point of view, but we can see everybody as God sees them. And we heard the wonderful command that we, the people of God, are to follow, that we are to love one another. We love one another. And, and then we can experience new every day His great love and mercy for us. You know, it's kind of like a, a sunrise. You know, it's, oh, the sun's coming up again. It seems so sane. But it, you, you, if you look closely, you see that, it, you know, the colors in the sky are different. There's a little more purple, a little more gold. You know, the birds are, are flying in from a different direction or there's a different set of birds out there. It, you know, it, it, it's like a new sunrise every morning is God's love for us. It may seem the same, but it is so new. And then uh, you heard last week so well how Jeff talked about how God writes a new covenant within our hearts. That's so beautiful. And today we're kind of going back to what we first talked about, that God is up to something new that gives us an eternal perspective that makes all things new. So now hear the word of the Lord is found in the book of First Peter. Let me pull up my eyeballs so I can read this to you. Here's what Peter writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes, that is an amen moment right there. First Peter was written to a group of people facing persecution. Depending on which scholar you read, it was uh, to the folks in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, that were either going through some sort of uh, economic hardship and because of the unpopularity of this new sect called Christianity, or it could have been part of a greater, more brutal persecution. We, we really aren't sure, but we know that whoever was receiving this letter was going through a tough time going through difficulties and hardships and trials. Well, that's kind of what we've all been dealing with right now, isn't it? We, we've been through, what, 18 months of this pandemic, and we thought oh, we were getting over it, and now we're back in the midst of it again. We've had economic hardships throughout our, our land. Some people within the sound of my voice, either online or, or here in this room, have been, have been suffering unduly because of all that's been happening. And you're fearful you're worried, maybe a little bit angry. You've been going through some difficult things right now. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when you're going through a tough time to keep hope, to keep an assurance. But what Peter has written to us is for our realization that even in the midst of hardship and trial, we can have hope, we can even have joy. Look how he starts it out. He says, blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, you have been born again or born anew. Now, we uh, in our culture, when we hear born again, we, we, we think about a certain things, right? We, particularly us in this southern culture, and I'll call you Yankees up here in North Carolina southern, you know. Yeah, we, we, we hear born again. That means that you have made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. You have said a prayer or made some proclamation that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you haven't done that at some point in your life, then come see one of the pastors because we would love to be able to share with you and talk with you what it means to make that profession, to know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. That's what many of us think. I'm, I'm, I said that prayer at a certain point in my life. I, I, I've been saved like it's a static thing. But nowhere in the New Testament, in our reading of it, do we see that it's just a one-time thing where we've made a profession and then that's it. It, is, it says that I am being saved. I am being reborn. I am being rejuvenated. It's an ongoing process, you see. And we, we help with that process. We uh, connect with that process through the spiritual disciplines that we have talked about some before. It keeps us connected to God. And if we do not tend to our souls, then at worst, then at worst, our souls die. And if we are inattentive, at least we will lose confidence in the hope that Christ gives to us. For you see, hope is the only thing that we have is, is in Jesus Christ. It's the only hope that matters. It's the only hope that is undying. It's the only hope that we can count on is in Jesus Christ. There's a, a man 
He's lying on his deathbed. And his wife is there uh, attending to him. And, and uh, he said to, to her, I said, well, you know, I guess after I'm gone, you're, you're going to remarry. And she said, well, yeah, you know, I'm still pretty young, kind of good looking. I, you know, I'll probably, probably get married. And he, he said, well, you know, I, I guess uh, uh, the fellow will move into this house I've, I've bought. And, he, and she said, yeah, it's a nice house. You know, I, I don't see any reason to get rid of it. I think we have this. And said, I, I, I bet that, um, he, you know, he he want to drive that car I've got. Say, oh, yeah, it's a great car. You know, I don't see any reason why we should get rid of that thing. And, and then he said, well, I, I, I guess he'll use my golf clubs. And she said, oh, my, no, he's left-handed. <laughs> you know, all hopes are fading. Everything that we count on disappears. Our relationships, our possessions, everything. Jesus puts it this way. He says, you know, why do you treasure things where moth will destroy and rust will eat at? And he, he says this, you know, to build your trust on anything besides your heavenly Father's kingdom is like building your life on slippery sand. He said everything else is going to go away. Everything that is even touched by death is going to disappoint or disappear. There's a short story called Every Man. And in that short story, every man is approached by death to make the journey to eternity. And so along the way, he hopes that he'll take a companion with him that will go with him uh, to the grave and beyond. So he, he grabs all of his possessions and he goes. And soon they grow burdensome and tiresome and they begin to fade. Next, he, he says, well, I'll rely on my health and my beauty. And, and he notes, notes that his beauty and his strength, they soon disappear. He said, well, I'll rely on my friends. And his friends only go with him part of the way. But when they realize where he's going, they soon leave him. He said, well, my family, they'll stay with me. And they walk with him gladly to the edge of the grave. But as he gets there, they have to leave. And finally, he's there in the grave with a shriveled up old man. And he says, who are you? What are you doing here? So I'm here to carry you to the great beyond. He said, and the man said, every man said, I, I, you don't look like you're strong enough to do that. Yes, I am weak and frail. I do not know if I can carry you all the way to heaven. And every man asked, who are you? He said, I am your soul. I'm your soul. In this life, I long to be nurtured by faith, hope, and love. But you put your trust in other things. And now I do not know. If I can bear the burden of taking you home. You see, my friends, every other hope is a dying hope. The only thing that truly lasts is a hope that's formed in faith, nurtured by love, grounded in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything else is a dead or dying hope. Our only lasting eternal hope is in Jesus Christ. That's our only hope, our only hope that will last for all eternity. Every other hope is dying or disappoint or decay. But look what he says here. Peter says, but the hope you have in Jesus is an imperishable, undefiled, unending hope. It's something that will last forever. Nothing can take it away as we trust in him and we ground ourselves in him as we stay rooted in him. Nothing can take it away from us. And look what he says there in this passage. Is, it is held secure by the power of God himself. This is echoing the words of Jesus in, in John 17 where he's there praying to the Father about us, his 
his future followers, he said, Lord, hold them. Father, hold them in your hand. Keep them secure. Keep them safe. See, Peter is echoing the promise that Jesus is asking for. You will be held in the power of God Almighty for the salvation of your souls. When I was living in Montgomery, I would go to an ecumenical Bible study on Friday mornings at a, a very historic Episcopal church in downtown Montgomery, St. John's Episcopal Church. And we would gather there every Friday, men from all over the community, and share uh, in teaching and, sh- and sharing our lives together. And there's a man in that study named Corky. And Corky had an interesting story because he was in a car accident and was pronounced dead. And he said, I, I was there for 45 minutes, not in this life. And he shared with us one day, he said, you know, when I was there, I felt this wonderful peace. I felt like I was in the presence of God. And I heard God saying, go back and tell them that their salvation is secure. So he came and shared with us, men, your salvation is secure. Your salvation is secure. And what wonderful words of hope and assurance that was to us as we were there struggling and striving in our lives, trying to remain faithful, that our salvation is secure. And I believe that Corky gave that word not so that we could just hold on to it, that we could share it, that I could bring that message to you from Montgomery, Alabama, here to Boone, North Carolina, that your salvation as you remain rooted in Jesus Christ is secure. You do not need to worry. God is holding you within his almighty power. Isn't that wonderful news, y'all? Your salvation is secure. And nothing can take that from you. It will last. It's imperishable, unending, unfading, undiluted. And what that means to us as well is that as we are going through these times of trial that that Peter talks about for his people and and the ones we're going through too. That means as those good things that we're talking about, those things that we tend to chase after and hold on to, that they'll fade away, so too will all this suffering, this trial and tribulation. This this good news about God's saving power in our lives puts all those things in perspective. We started out, as I told you just a little bit ago, looking at Revelation chapter 21 where John describes what the new heaven and the new earth will be and he describes this, this, this scene that the sea will be no more. And you got to ask, does God not like oceans? What's this about? What he's getting at is that the sea rep- represented darkness and chaos and fear. And that the fear that we all experience in life will be occupied by the great love of God. And therefore that will wipe away all fear from us. All fear will be taken from us. And that's not just for the end of time. Because you see, I know... Every person within the sound of my voice, whether in the pew or whether online, is dealing with something that makes them worried and makes them afraid. But the good news is that as God is wiping away fear one day in eternity, that same God who is eternal comes down into our present and helps us overcome all fear. That perfect love that is God in Jesus Christ occupies our lives and removes all the fear that was within us. Love the line from that a great song because he lives all because he lives all fear is 
gone. That's a hope. That's a promise. For the here and now, it gives us perspective that our fears can be taken away. And then look what it says also in John, uh, John says in, in Revelation 21, it says that all our griefs will be wiped away. All tears will be wiped away. Every person here within the sound of my voice deals with some grief, disappointment, regret in life. Every person. Some worse than others. But at some point in life, we all walk with a limp. But here is what is promised to us. That grief, those disappointments, those things that we wish were different, are put in the perspective that one day all those tears, all those disappointments will be taken away. All dead in living, all dead in hopes, all dead in dreams will be taken from us and be given a new life. And because that's a promise from the future, it breaks into our present and gives us hope right now in the midst of what we are dealing with. Because in the end, even death will die. In the end, even death will die. That means we who grieve have hope that this life is not all that there is. Hello. That's a beep from God, right? Yeah, that's God saying amen. Yeah. Even death will die. And that means we have a perspective about this life and all that we're going through that enables us to have living hope. Think of it this way. Imagine that you were in Nazi-occupied Europe during World War II and being ruled by a terrible despot. But you hear the words that the Allies have landed. And though your town has not been liberated yet, you know liberation is coming. You know that the evil one who is ruling you will soon be conquered. You know that hope is on the way. And that changes everything, right? It changes everything. Well, living hope not only is on the way, it's here right now. It's here right now, giving us the ability to see all the trials and tribulations in life in the light of hope. And that brings us joy and gives us the ability to move forward confidently that no matter what, we're secure. It doesn't minimize our suffering. Peter knew that all too well, that his people were going through tough times. In fact, soon after this writing, if you take the traditional view of this, that he soon would face crucifixion upside down on a cross. But even in that, he had hope that was imperishable because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And did you see what it said? It said that Jesus is making ready this place of salvation, this, this place for your souls, for you. And making ready is the word prepare. And if you've been to a funeral, more than likely you've heard someone read from John 14, 
in my Father's house are many mansions. I go and what? Prepare, make ready a place for you. So right now, a room's being made ready. Now, y'all know what it means to make a room ready, right? We, we have company right now. My, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law ha- have come to be with us uh, for, the, for the weekend. And, and we warned them we got a new puppy. And that little, that little rascal's getting up early. She's going to bark and, and wake up the whole house. And I said, we're going to come anyway. So we, well, you know what? You have to get ready. Uh, when, when you have a new puppy, you have to pick up a lot of chewed up sticks, right? So we, we had to pick up all that. But we cleaned up and we bought groceries and got everything prepared. We're, we're going to have for brunch today an egg casserole that I make. And it's mighty good, y'all. It, re- it really is. In fact, I've gotten distracted just a second thinking about it. But yeah, we, and we're going to have cheese grits. It, it's just wonderful. You know what it's like to prepare for company? I know you all do. Well, Jesus right now is preparing for company. He's sending out invitations written with his precious blood. And they are being mailed to you and you and you and to me. He's preparing a banquet that will be better than any Oscar Mayer all-beef bun-length hot dog. It's going to be in a place that is more glorious than any mansion on any hillside in this gorgeous countryside in which we live. All for you, secured through his resurrection. When you think about things from an eternal perspective, it changes everything, right? It gives you a living hope. That is secure. And that makes all things new. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.